Father in heaven, we invite you to be here this afternoon to guide our thoughts and to direct us. We each come from different circumstances and yet have similar struggles. So we ask that um, here amongst us, we have fathers and mothers, daughters, sons, wives, husbands, all of us from different stages in life. Lord, we just seek you. We ask that you be with our panelists today, that you'll help them to find a uh, balance as we talk about these struggles in our lives, that we might be able to serve you better in all areas. So open our hearts and help us to hear with our hearts as not just our ears. And we just thank you for an extra measure of grace just now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on in and have a seat. Would like to take a moment. This uh, this seminar is called Juggling Work, Family, Home, and Ministry, Finding the Balance. And I must confess, it is a topic that I struggle with and have truly very few answers. And so I have a great um, group of panelists today that are going to help us navigate through this question that all of us um, struggle with in one way or another. Um, before we get started, I, I want to say that um, I had an opportunity to, to really think about what this word balance means and um, the idea that it's an even distribution of weight, enabling someone or something to remain upright or steady. How many of us want to remain upright, steady in our life? A condition in which different elements are equal or in correct proportion may not always be equal as we think of equal. So today as we start discussing this topic, um, you know, I'm, I pray that my heart will be open to hearing maybe things a little differently than the norm, than, than the way the world's paradigm sees things and helps me to see the way God sees things. So we're going to turn the time over to our panelists. They're going to introduce themselves and share a little bit about their experience and their paradigm from where they are. So we'll start at this end. Good afternoon. Is that on? Okay. Good afternoon. My name is Angeline David. I am the the new health ministries director for the North America division, and I'm very happy to be here with you all. And really, I came here because I wanted to learn how to balance work and family and home and everything else. Um, but certainly, the Lord has given, I think, each of one of us some experiences where we can glean those lessons. And I think one of the important things is to remember that the Lord wants us to serve in all of these various capacities, not for our, uh, simply for our own selves, in the sense for our own accomplishment or sense of well-being. Certainly those things, I think, are byproducts. But because he wants us to find in him the perfect source of balance, as we uh, engage in various activities, of course, it's important to first pray and ask the Lord, is this what you really want me to do? Um, because if he, he is calling us to do something, he's calling us to be a parent, he's calling us to serve in a, very, in a certain ministry, then he will equip us to carry out each and every one of those tasks. And also... As we do that, to make sure that we keep him primary, uh, not forsaking our personal devotion time with him, I've found that that 
is one key that is that if ever left out, everything else begins to crumble. Um, so making sure we have our personal devotional time with him on a regular daily basis. Um, and really, uh, another key, I think, is also recognizing the fact that I myself am not the answer to every question that I am one piece of a larger puzzle, a larger framework, and, uh, and finding others to, to join together on that journey, uh, the work, the, the ministry, even in the family, uh, making sure that we're working together, walking together. Thank you. Uh, I'm Neil Nedley and uh, have uh, worked with all four of these aspects uh, in, um, uh, in trying to balance it all. And um, one piece of advice I would like to give is marry someone who works harder than you do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the balance becomes easier uh, that way. Uh, I am privileged. She's not here today. Actually, she's somewhere. She's probably attending another uh, seminar uh, where her husband isn't presenting. But uh, uh, she, uh, of course, is a, a Romanian uh, girl that, um, that doesn't know what rest is until she is sleeping. And uh, one of our mottos has been, if the Lord uh, giveth you something to do, if your hand findeth something to do, do it how? with all of your might. And so really we have to put all of our might into these four aspects of life. And it wasn't the Lord's original plan that these four things be competing against each other. You know, I think uh, the world views them as a competition. And who's going to win? Is it going to be work or is it going to be family or is it going to be your marriage? Um, you know, and are you going to, you know, have to sacrifice one for the other? And, you know, the original plan in the agricultural world was that children would be working right alongside their parents and we'd be mentoring while we are working. Uh, and uh, that we would be doing things together as a family unit, even in ministry, and not having that uh, be separate. But uh, since not all of us are privileged to work in an agricultural um, society or an agricultural background, which was is more the ideal in regards to doing all four of these things. You know, I've, I've actually bemoaned the fact that I can't have my kids with me in the examining room uh, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm seeing people and doing physical exams and doing procedures on them, but for obvious reasons, um, you know, we don't allow, uh, you know, those types of, of, of situations to occur. And so um, in some respects, as a result of that, it can be seen as a competition. Uh, and so um, uh, there's times when, I'm, when I am working and doing consultations with patients that I can't be um, you know, with my family at the time and doing things with them. And so uh, in reality, it requires um, you know, um, structure. And one of the things I would just like to point out um, Angie pointed it out as well, but uh, when we're structuring our day, the Lord actually told us in Genesis how the days operate. It's the what and what made the first day. 
the evening and the morning. And so the best way to set up your day is to have a right evening. And uh, that evening should have devotionals, and it should be another thing that I would highly recommend, if at all possible, early to bed, early to rise. If you want to be working with all of your might and working well, you need adequate rest. And the biggest reason for lack of adequate rest is two late nights uh, and, um, and then burning that midnight oil. And often people get into burning the midnight oil because they are entertaining themselves in the evening instead of actually working. Uh, and, uh, and that's the way the world does it. The entertainment television and Internet and all of those things are being run in the evening, and they actually adversely affect our sleep. They adversely affect our devotional life. And so uh, one of the ways in which I've been able to be to, to the degree of success I've been in these four areas uh, was as a result of my father making sure that we did not have entertainment television in the home. Uh, and I wasn't happy with him. I'm not sure my mother was happy with him either. Uh, but uh, that, was, uh, that was what happened in our home, and I have thanked him many times since in regards to how my brain and body developed in ways that it would have never had that had I been gravitated to those screens. And that's one of the things in family. We need to limit our screen time in, in families um, significantly and among our children and have it just be useful and practical. Um, the other uh, aspect of uh, things is not only the evening devotional, but the morning devotional. And uh, how I like to do my devotionals is actually the way Christ recommended, where we go into our closet and we pray out loud. The reason why he wanted us in our closet is so we can stay focused in prayer. And I read the word as I'm praying, and when I see a promise, I claim it to God out loud, and when I see a command, I ask the Lord if I'm in compliance with that command. And he can answer me, and uh, the prayer life goes effortless that way, and it gives a great start to the day. In fact, the evening and the morning, I can guarantee anyone who's actually followed this recommendation of mine has told me that they actually feel far better at the end of that session than they did watching their most favorite movie. And, you know, people will watch a movie to relax and try to, quote, get balance. But that's not the type of balance that the Lord wanted us to have. The type of balance where we would balance effortful work with reflection was actually in time with prayer and time with him and the word of God. Uh, and uh, so those are uh, a few essentials uh, that we've had uh, in, um, in balancing these four things. When I've been able to speak and take my family with me, I've, been, I've done that a lot. In fact, I've made it mandatory even on international speaking tours that, uh, that my wife um, go along with me as well. Uh, we do work far better as a team. And so staying um, close together. The other thing is mealtime should be a family event. Uh, don't just have mealtimes at any odd time. Make it a family event. Make your worships in the evening. There's a time for the, the closet de devotional, but before that, there should be a family worship. Make them short, but what I've noticed is a 10 or 15-minute worship that I have planned usually turns into an hour in our home because... My boys are asking questions. They're asking clarifying things. And uh, it becomes a very engaging event with a lot of dialogue and a lot of learning. And we're told to teach by precept and example. Uh, 
This is one thing I learned from my father. When things would go wrong in the church or some other place and it became public, um, he analyzed it as part of the family worship. What went wrong? What do you think? Uh, why, how could this have been done differently? And as we, instead of just accepting bad that happens out there, um, let's learn from the bad. And when there are good things, let's point that out as well. And these things that are happening in the news or public events can be great teaching moments for our kids to give them analysis of things um, as we go forward. So those are a few essentials uh, that I have found in balancing uh, these four things. And I know we'll have a chance to speak more as well. You've got your own microphone there, Debbie. Hi, my name is Debbie Young, and uh, my husband and I live in Ypsilanti, Michigan. We have a media ministry, Quiet Moment Ministries, and uh, I guess... And I guess that uh, I would call myself one of the sandwich generation. You know, you have kids on one end and um, parents on the other, and there are uh, interesting challenges that present for the, the generation in the middle, um, except that I don't have children. So I guess you can call me an open-faced sandwich. Um, I have parents, or I have one parent left, and um, th that has, I think one of the ahas for me as I've grown to this point is that uh, the, the way you achieve balance is so different as you enter and exit these different uh, areas of your life or your relationship with children and or parents. And um, so that's been, uh, I, I guess, I wish I had a whole lot of things to share, but I think Neil shared all the suggestions about what to do. I'm presenting some of the challenges and uh, the things that have been uh, gave have given me pause for thought and reflection. I think one of the things I've learned about myself as I've struggled to achieve balance with all of these things in all of these areas is that my personality has a lot to do with it. Um, I tend to be kind of outgoing and uh, friendly and, and comfortable up front and in public and doing things. Uh, if anybody asks me to do anything, yes is a very uh, automatic kind of reply because I feel confident and comfortable doing things. Well, that is a recipe for failure. <laughs> if you don't step back and think about, well, what are all, all the other things that are on your plate? And it's not about necessarily just comfort, ability, and capacity. Uh, well, it is about capacity. But I guess I'd like to think of it, too, as where is it that I could express the character of Christ the best? And if I'm going to place myself in a situation where I, it increases my struggle to do that, then that might not be the place for me to serve. Um, always praying and asking God to show me where is it that you want me to participate or, or to contribute. Um, it's, you know, sometimes we, we hear uh, and sometimes we don't hear. You know, we may not be listening. And <laughs> so then you don't necessarily hear clearly what the Lord may be directing you to do. So you get yourself into trouble, and you have to, for me, I often have to step back and wait and think through what will this challenge present for me, not just in the moment of that interaction, but the planning up to 
and the follow-up thereafter. What does all of that mean for everything that's on my plate? So whether it's uh, me being at home where my father lives with us and is struggling with a terminal illness and I'm caring for him and um, trying to you know, manage a marriage and that family and then the, uh, the, the other part of the family with my father included and then working full time as a clinical research nurse in a hospital and uh, being the minister of music at my church and you know doing things with ASI, all of those things uh, give back to me, but um, do I have enough to give adequately to them in the spirit of Christ? So those are some of the things that I, I feel like I continue to reflect on and pray about so that um, as I'm living and working and serving for Christ, I'm doing it in the spirit in which he intended that to happen. Hello, I'm Donna McNeilis, and uh, I guess uh, you don't see me too often up front. In fact, when I was asked to do this, I really put out the fleece and I asked God, is this really what you want me to do? And my first re reaction was, okay, I really feel God wants me to do this because everything that I do, I want it to be God's will in my life, no matter what it is. And so I put out the fleece and you know, the answer came back, you need to do this. And so I have learned so much by just listening to the three that I've already presented because it's always in life we're trying to balance. And that is what I try and do daily. But I ask God to help me do that because it's impossible without him to find a balance. Now, I'm a wife. I've been married for 35 years to the love of my life. I met him when he was an eighth grader. We went to academy together at Little Creek Academy. And then I went on to Southern. He did too. Um, I took nursing. I became a nurse. And then I wanted to be a mom. That's what I wanted to, de to be more than anything was to be a mother. And I had the privilege to have three wonderful children. And um, probably some of you know my son, Justin. He was at one time the GYC president. He's still very involved with GYC. He also is a wonderful, loving husband and has three children. They just had their third baby six weeks ago. So I'm also a mom to two girls. And Christina and her husband are here with their two little boys. And people have been asking me where I've been. They haven't seen me out and about. Well, that's because I've been babysitting. And I love babysitting my grandchildren. And then we have our last one, Kimberly. She has been in China. She is relearning her language that she was born with, her Mandarin. And uh, anyway, she graduated from college and wanted this opportunity. And we really wanted this opportunity for her, too, is that she would be able to experience her culture and to learn to appreciate all the things that she was born with that she didn't have the opportunity to have while she was in China because we took her away from China and she's been living with us. But she's here today, actually, so she can, if, if, I, if you think that maybe I'm not telling the truth, you can ask her and she'll tell you that I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Anyway, I have, like I said, five grandchildren, 
four little boys and one darling, precious little girl. And they are the light of my life. And they're my mission field right now. I haven't been traveling outside of the U.S. because I feel compelled to be their Grammy. And um, they are precious. And you want to spend as much time as you can with those children because they grow up so fast. And yet I can use my nursing and I can still be involved in God's work right here in my own home. I'm also the health leader in our church. I take that job very seriously. I have a team because I don't believe that anybody can do everything by themselves. I think that we need to have a team that works with us. And I have a wonderful team. I've had a lot of people that have come to our community. We're very, very involved in our small community, but we have a, a church that is growing. You now can't even find a seat. If you don't get in there early enough, I can't because I also teach the beginner Sabbath school class. And I do that maybe because I want to be with my grandchildren, but I also want to be an influence on all the other little ones that are coming. We have people that come to our little Sabbath school class that aren't even members of our church because I really feel that this is a mission field and God has given us a great opportunity to be in this little town of Dodge Center, Minnesota. Balance. I look for it every single day. When I get up and I have my first thoughts and prayers to Jesus, I'm asking him to help me. But I learned one thing when I was in an academy. One of our teachers, the founder of our school, Mrs. Straw, said, you need to time everything you do. And I thought, time everything we do. And I thought, at first, what is she talking about? Then, as I had my own home, I realized what she's talking about. So it's like a game that I have with myself. I have a routine that I do every single day except for Sabbath. Sabbath is a different routine. But I do things, well, I'm very time-oriented. I really am. And maybe because I married a husband that works harder than I do. I can assure <laughs> you of that. He definitely does. He comes from a family that is hard-working, and they believe in that work ethic. But I time myself making my bed. I try and improve how many minutes that it has taken me. I want to make it so it's less each day. Even in my housework, I do that. I do that when I'm cooking. I do that whatever I'm doing. I'm always timing myself to try and prove it. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not rushed about it. I just want to balance and have more time for things that really, really matter. But I do not like a disorganized house. I'm very fanatical. Kimberly is shaking her head back there. Even when she's home right now, I'm always saying, you know, the angels are going to be in your room today, Kimberly, and we want to have our room looking its best. I don't know why I've said that, but I have always said that to my children. And anyway, back to that, the balance of house and home and business. You see, I go into our office at the corporate level every Wednesday. Everybody knows that I'm in the office on Wednesday. And Denzel and different people come and tell me what's going on. Am I involved with the day-to-day -day operation? Absolutely not. But I do have to know what's going on because I do sign papers every year that I am knowing what's happening in our business. And I like it like that. I like to be a part of it. I do, I do give advice. I do. 
But I also think that when God has given you a business and a position, that you have to really be oh so careful because not only are you wanting to be balanced with your business, you want them to know that you care truly about them as an employee, that you want them to know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you want them to know that you truly care about them. So we have employees, we have children, we have grandchildren, we have our church family, we have our ASI family, we have a lot of traveling that we do, like I say, around the world. Denzel has done more of that this year than me. But finding that balance, well, I just think that you just have to ask God to show you each day what is important to accomplish that day, and he will show you what you should do. Lots of nuggets mixed in and personal testimonies, don't you think? So I'm going to ask the panel um, a question. I read this from LinkedIn. A lot of us are members of LinkedIn and heard this passion. I've been struggling under the pressure of wanting and attempting to do it all, which leaves me wondering, do I know my limits? What would you say to that young lady? She's a, a, a professional who's struggling, wanting, and attempting to do it all. What would you say? Of course, I would ask some clarifying questions. What's all? And in a typical young person, it's going to be Facebook, Instagram. It's going to be going to the movies and keeping up with the latest sporting events, plus trying to be successful in an academic environment and maybe working so that they can pay for some of that. And the answer, of course, is no, you can't do it all. You're going to have to actually give up some things. And, the, uh, of course, the Lord never asks us to give up anything that isn't for our best good to give up. And so then we would go into an educational um, format where we um, help them to see the priorities and, um, and what they really do need to give up in order to, to live a balanced life. Uh, but can they actually juggle work, family, and all of those things and still do it the Lord's way? Absolutely they can, if we leave out all of the peripheral cultural elements that are threatening. Okay. Um, you bring up a good point there, the cultural and, and diverse elements. And, Debbie, I think you shared with me a little bit of that paradigm. Could, could you share a little bit more about that? Let's see if I can remember. Um, I think that, uh, you mean about the, the story? The pot, yeah, okay. how do we make a oh, pot roast? Yes, okay. Uh, I, there, there's a story, it's called the pot roast story, and it's about a, a woman who, in preparing a pot roast, some of you may have heard this, uh, as she prepares a pot roast, she cuts off each end of the pot roast, puts it in her pot, and then puts it in the oven. And in uh, having a conversation with her mother, said, you know, why is it that we do this? Why do you do this? She says, oh, I don't know. That's the way my, my mother taught me how to do it. She says, oh, that's interesting. Well, her mother had an opportunity to talk with her mother and said, Mom, um, my daughter asked me, why do I prepare a roast this way, cutting off the ends 
of both and putting it in the pot and then putting it in the oven. And um, the grandmother said, oh, well, that's easy, dear, because at the time when I was preparing the pot roast, I only had a pot that was small, that was so small that I had to cut off the ends of the pot roast in order to fit it in the pot. So there wasn't any rocket science behind it. It was really uh, situational that it made that happen. But as someone was watching and learning, just took on that same uh, way of doing, method of doing that, but it didn't really, it didn't apply then because of course by then they were making larger pots. She probably could have fit two roasts in a pot. So um, I just was tossing the question back, something to consider is that uh, our culture, our, our environment where we were raised and how we're mentored and information that's given to us, sometimes we have to sit back and question and ask, why? Um, there's a, a commercial actually that I've seen on, on television uh, where it was, had something to do with um, uh, investments. And the father was uh, giving, um, was telling his son that he was doing really well. And his son said, well, and he said, well, maybe I could introduce you to my broker. And the son said, oh, okay, all right. And, and how much does he, does he charge? She says, well, you know, that's not really, that's not really important. Um, he says, well, suppose you don't get what you're, what you're asking for. And he's, he says, well, you get money back. He says, well, it doesn't really work that way. And the son says, well, why not? You know, why would you pay someone to do a service for you? And if you didn't deliver that you don't get a return on the investment or the fee that you paid. So again, that young person asking questions to understand the motivation. So to the question to the young lady saying, well, how is it that can, I can do all of these things? I might pose some questions back to them. What is it that you intend to contribute? And conversely, what is it that you might intend to receive to um, uplift yourself or to educate yourself, to make yourself better? And do any of these things um, allow you to experience both? Can you contribute something positively or receive something positively? And ask those questions. I think appropriately as well. Here's two generations of perpetuating the same perhaps misunderstanding, right? Where a few questions might have uh, smoothed that, the way over for maybe doing something differently realize cutting the ends off didn't take very long, but metaphorically, you know, there's some things that we do that maybe we could do differently that would streamline the things that we do. And, you know, we have to evaluate those things as you're talking about and investigate those. So I have another question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Angie. I, I just wanted to add, uh, you know, sometimes it might be a young person who is very sincere asking that question, mm -hmm. who perhaps has been through Youth for Jesus several years in a row and has been to GYC every single year. And, you know, they want to go on every single mission trip opportunity that's out there. Maybe they're questioning about career for the future or, you know, maybe it's a spouse question. There could be, again, asking more questions. What are you actually trying to figure out for yourself? And I think, um, you know, as we've all gone through that phase at some point in our life, is encouraging young people to recognize that the decision that they make for, say, a career 
is not the final decision for the rest of their lives. Certainly we want them moving towards a particular direction, but how many times have we ourselves changed direction a little bit? I know I have. My career has gone in a path that I did not expect and I did not intend, but the Lord knew a better path. However, all the experiences leading up to it certainly contributed mm -hmm. to, to what he has me doing now. So encouraging the young people to perhaps pick one of the ideas they have and say, why don't you just focus, focus on that for a little while and see if that's what you really want to do. Is, is that utilizing the strengths and the passions that, that you have, that the Lord has given you? Um, do you feel called to, to that role, to that ministry? Um, and work with a mentor who can give them guidance. Um, I think mentoring is a very important aspect. Too many of our, our young people don't have the mentorship that they should have. Mm -hmm. um, and so we may be able to, if not be their mentor them ourselves, at least point them to someone else who could do that for them. So if it's a sincere young person, I think encouraging them to try it and see if that's really what they need to be doing. And also letting them know that whatever lessons you learn in that experience, make sure you hold on to it because it will benefit your future as well. Okay. I just want to add one teeny tiny little comment. I don't think in this life that we can have it all. That I have come to the conclusion that here on this earth, we will never have it all. We can pick and choose the things that God has gifted us in our talents to use for him, to use for our family, to use for our business, to use for our ministry. But as far as having it all, I absolutely cannot do what the rest of these people are doing up here. But I think that you have to come to a conclusion that having it all is what God gives you in your time and in your talents and that you're using it to the best of your ability and be satisfied. Being satisfied is extremely challenging and especially for young people today because social media has their attention and they are telling them it looks better, it is better, there's something that is even better beyond your wildest dreams that you can get a hold of and you'll be happier. And yet when we who have a lot that God has gifted us with, if we can just be satisfied and live that simple life, I'm telling you a simple life is a great life. It really is. And you can be very fulfilled with being satisfied with simplicity my husband's sister passed away a couple of years ago with cancer. She was a young lady, and she had a home. And in that home, she had kept her whole entire life of all the activities and things that she loved to do. But when we, as her family, had to go in and clean up her home, I began to realize, you know, we have way too much stuff. And I wanted to simplify our stuff. And so this last winter, my husband and I did major cleanup in our house. We went through every room, every drawer, 
every place that I could find anything that needed to be looked at. And if it was not necessary or it wasn't going to to bring honor to God, it was time to get rid of it. And I'm not just talking about uh, books or entertainment or videos or things like that. I'm just talking about anything and everything. And we were able to give away a lot of stuff, and that was great. There were schools that actually benefited from the books that I decided I'd hung on to too long. And it felt good to clean out our life. It really did. And that's what we've been doing. We are going through our life right now, and we are cleaning it up, and it feels great. (laughs) It really, really does. And I can tell you having it all, having it all is, it isn't going to happen here. We're waiting for heaven and that's when we'll have it all. Amen. So I'm hearing, I think you are too, decluttering not just our physical stuff, but our day-to-day stuff. Prioritizing, right? Asking the Lord at the beginning of the day, everybody is consistent to say, put the Lord first, have him speak to you as to what he wants you to do. Declutter the stuff in our heads so we hear him. And then we're able to move forward at least with peace, knowing that that part of our day is planned by him. Okay, so I have a question, and it's a little lengthy, so um, bear with me for a moment. A couple of references here. Ellen White pointed out that leaders often face, and I think in this room the vast majority of you here are leaders, and um, probably I would have to say type A personalities. Um, It's often the case that such critics have no real sense of the great weight of responsibility borne by those in such positions. Brother McGann, you have a family, You should give your wife and children time and attention. You should take time to rest. I entreat you to do this. Do not ruin your health. Stop before you reach the breaking point. Tell your wife that the Lord has a tender care for her. Tell her that he desires her to be of good courage in the Lord. She must rely on him. As a prominent leader, McGann had received criticism like this for years, but he never thought it would adversely affect his wife. Ida was quite ill suddenly on the night of Monday, June 1st, 1903, McGann wrote. The doctors pronounced the malady to be acute mania brought on by over-anxiety and worry and lack of nutrition. Ida's condition continued to deteriorate and she passed away on May 19, 1904, just a little more than a year later. How does one maintain a healthy spiritual life under these kinds of circumstances? There's a little more to that story. The anxiety that she was having, if you um, read about the story, was actually due to brethren in the church Mm -hmm. stating that her husband was not following Ellen White and that Ellen White was diametrically opposed to his work, which actually wasn't true. And, um, yeah, there were some issues on McGann's side of things. It wasn't just that, but there were some, some major issues going on in the church at that time, and McGann was actually doing a very good work. And where the attack was taking place was over our health message again. Well, the Lord knows that medical missionary work and health reform is going to be the work that brings about his coming. In fact, we're told that 
the, the medical missionary work will circle the globe as the waters cover the sea before he comes. That hasn't happened yet. And so anything that starts looking like it gets close to that, the devil will attack. And Loma Linda, our brethren, did not want to start Loma Linda. They opposed that tooth and nail. And McGann was out there sacrificing because very few others were to get this done. And so and he couldn't see the brethren joining him. And then on top of it, when he started to get successful, then they started lies and innuendos um, that brought the wife down. And uh, it's, uh, it's a sad situation, but we can also look at um, uh, even Kellogg's failure a lot was due to the fact that the brethren weren't teaming up in regards to medical missionary work. So uh, back to the, the, the question at hand. Yes, as husbands, we need to take care of our wives and our children. We're not only the provider of them physically, and we're not only out there to do ministry, but our ministry is also to our own family, and the souls that we need to save are part of our own family. And if we can't um, save their souls, then maybe we need to uh, back off on trying to save the, the rest of the world, uh, per se, and make sure that our families are in uh, in, are in proper order and having the proper care and emotional support um, that they also need. Okay. Um, yes, I absolutely agree with Dr. Nedley. Um, our families should be one of our number one priorities. And when our children were young, I can remember when the program Youth for Jesus began. My children, my three children, were some of the first three that were involved with that program. And I realized that if, if we want to see our children truly believe what we believe and know Jesus as their personal Savior, this religion this spiritual experience that we were experienced as their parents needed to become their experience. And they needed to be able to teach it and understand it easily. And so when Youth for Jesus began, like I said, my children were some of the very first ones that were involved with this experience. And the reason why I bring up YFJ, Youth for Jesus, is because I have asked my children many, many times, what made the biggest difference in your life as you were growing up that made you want to be involved in our church and made you love, not didn't make you love Jesus, but made you want to share what you knew about Jesus with others? And they have all said, YFJ, Youth for Jesus. It made such a huge difference in their life because they realized that they could be involved in personal evangelism. They were able to knock on doors. They were able to give health talks. They were able to give the sermons with the new beginnings. It was the biggest blessing in our family's life. I will never be sorry for all the work that was put into this program because I, as their mother, got to be a cook at the program. And so we would listen to the kids and they would be coming in and they would be going through their health talks and, and their, their sermons. And, you know, it was a great blessing to be able to work together as a family. That being said, you've also got to have fun in life. If you don't have fun, you're not balanced. 
And we as a family, I married into a hard-working family. And basically, what my husband knew was that you worked. And that's what you did for recreation. And I said, oh, no, we will not do that as a family. These children need to have play in their life. And so we as a family would every summer, we would take a trip together and they would choose where we would go. In fact, we drove out here because our daughter, Kimberly, like I said, is here for just a few weeks before she returns back to China. And she wanted to do a photography trip with her father. And so we get to do this together as a family. I think it's important to encourage your children to have hobbies, fun things that they enjoy. And photography with, with my husband and my children has been absolutely a, a fabulous experience. And so for us, I'm just telling you, you have to have a balance in everything you do. And it's important that you have fun in our Christian walk with Jesus. And you notice the thing she's mentioning is not fam not fun by yourself, fun as a family. Uh, you know, when Ellen White was speaking to McGann, she was speaking from personal experience as well, because we know that her husband's life was cut short because of that imbalance. Uh, now, unfortunately, he was also facing many struggles with the brethren, and he felt a burden for the work to go forward. Uh, and so he sacrificed his own health and perhaps his family a little bit for the sake of the ministry. Um, but we wonder, we have to ask the question that if his life had, had gone the full length that perhaps God had originally intended, how much more could have been accomplished? And so I think we have to also recognize that the work we are called to do is only a piece of what God wants us to do. And we do need to sacrifice sometimes the ministry for the sake of our family and certainly for the sake of our own health. Uh, not because we don't value it, but because we want to make sure that everything the Lord has given into our hands is done with all of our might. And if we don't have strength, then we can't do any of it. Um, so... So finding that balance sometimes means sacrificing even the good things to, to make sure that our family is taken care of. Um, I'm, I just, uh, I, I am, uh, I'm not, I am still single, so I don't have children or a husband to, to have to worry about right now, but I do have family. Um, and I was just telling our NAD president, Elder Jackson, today, I'm not staying to hear his message Saturday night because my nephews are at home waiting for me. And so sometimes we do need to make uh, what are large sacrifices, but knowing that there is still tomorrow to do the work. But our family, we have very precious little time with our family, but what our children will remember more than anything else is the time we spend with them. Very good, and the memories you make when you're spending that time, right? So you're saying that we, we must make choices, even if we're doing good things, to set down good things to have that balance. 
that's not an easy thing to do in ministry because there are so many things to do. Don't you feel at that tug that there's so much to do, so little time. We really want Jesus to come and this has to get done. So what happens if I'm not doing it? Right. What do, what do we do? How do we, how do we address that? Because if I'm not doing it, then it's not getting done. So what's going to happen? You know, if we look at the ministry of Christ, he only worked for three and a half years on the earth. Um, and from a worldly perspective, he wasn't very successful, was he? There weren't very many people following after him at the end of his life on earth. But what he did was he maximized his impact by making sure that there would be others to follow in the work. Um, and not only that, but he said, I go so that I may send you the comforter. And so we need to recognize, again, that we are not the savior of the ministry, of the work. Yes, with everything, we must work our, our best. We must put as much effort as we can. But if we're not equipping others to carry on that same work once we're gone, for, the Lord may just call us to another ministry. We don't know tomorrow how many of us will be doing the same work that we were doing a week, the day before we came here. So do we have someone who could pick up and carry it the way the Lord would want them to carry it. So we need to make sure that we are equipping others to do the work, to, to uh, teaching them how to think about ministry. What are the, yes, there are, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. So equipping them, training them, helping them understand, helping them also find the balance um, in their own lives. I think that's one of the important keys. And then also, of course, understanding that it's the Holy Spirit who ultimately needs to give us our marching orders for each and every day. So what happens if I'm taking a break or maybe I'm playing hooky in the middle of the day to go to my granddaughter's um, program at school, or what if I'm taking a break to go for a walk in the middle of the day with my husband and we're just stepping away and there are others that see me doing that and I'm not really working, right? My, I'm not doing what is ex is expected of me. Um, how do we reconcile that in, with, to others? Because, you know, we don't just live as an island unto ourselves, there are others around us that have expectations. So how do we juggle their expectations against our balance? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking of the story of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, uh, where we know the story, Daniel had, they, they were given the diet of the king, and Daniel went to his supervisor and said, I'm sorry, but we can't do this. Now, we don't know the time frame that Daniel had to build his relationship with his supervisor, but we, it had to have been long enough or at least Daniel's relationship with him had to have a strong enough an impact that he was even willing to entertain the question. And I think it goes towards our influence. 
Who are we when we are working? Are we effective in our work? Are we efficient? Are we doing the job well? When other people see our work, if, if we're on the phone all the time or on Facebook at work, then of course when they see us taking a walk, they're going to just think, well, there they go again. I have to do their work now. But if they see us being diligent in our work, in our time management, then I think they're going to be a lot more understanding if we were to take a little break and of course, if you have a supervisor, you know, making sure they understand what this is about. Um, but I think it, we have to have that kind of a rapport with our, our coworkers, with our supervisors, so that they understand um, who we are, and then they're going to be a lot more understanding of what we do. I hope that you've really enjoyed this um, this panel. I know that uh, I've learned a lot, and through the experience and the wisdom of others, we can glean a lot. So if I could ask um, for you to, first, Donna, if you would have prayer before you do, let me just ask. Um, you have a yellow piece of paper. This is a survey, so we'd like some feedback as to how you um, benefited from this uh, uh, seminar and the changes or things you might like to see for the future. And I also have a little handout. It's a half a sheet. And uh, folks on the panel have given us suggested for a further reading and things that you might find benefit in. So they're up here for you to, for you to take. So um, really do appreciate, again, your time for coming and spending it with us. Shall we all stand as we have prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can be here. We know that you were with us, and we just ask that you will help us each and every day to prioritize our lives in the way that you want us to do what you would have us to do. We're so thankful that we serve you. And we only want to be a humble servant for you. We ask that you will keep us faithful to you. And we also ask that you'll be with our families and our businesses, our ministries, and our whatever we have to do within our communities, that it will only be your will. Again, we're thankful that we can be here with the ASI family. And we ask that you will continue to bless this convention that we will be able to see you very soon and will be able to be with you in our forever home. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.